our theme verse for this series. It's in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says this, Be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Then you will not be caught off guard by what happens. Don't let me come and find you drunk or careless in living like everyone else. Look at what he's saying. Don't let life get so crazy that you lose your passion and your heart grows cold. You see, what happens when we start to get a little stressed out is we start to get burned out. And when we get burned out, we lose our passion. One of the greatest indicators of whether or not you're stressed out is are you still passionate? Are you still passionate to go to work? Are you still passionate to be a mom? Are you still passionate to be a student? If you've lost your passion, you need to ask the question, why? Why have I lost my passion? Has my heart grown cold? What's crazy is, is that when I'm stressed out and I'm getting to the point of burned out, I become cynical. I become critical. I complain a lot. Have you ever complained so much that you told yourself, dang, you complain a lot? You ever done that? I've I've done that before. I'm like, why am I complaining so much? That's what happens when I get unhealthy. That's what happens when I let my life take control of me. He says, be free of anxiety and the worries of of this life, and then you won't be caught off guard by what happens. You see, if you live a careful life, when something happens, you're ready for it. If you're looking or talking about the topic of finances, Dave Ramsey says you should have $1,000 set aside as an emergency fund for when something happens, you're ready for it. Some of you are like, yeah, right. And then he wraps it up with this last sentence that says, don't let me come and find you drunk or careless in living like every one else. You see, the difference between who you used to be and who you are today, if you're born again, is that when you used to be you, you did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But when you were born again, the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. So before you met Jesus, it was okay to go get drunk. It was okay to drink your sorrows away. It was okay to live like the rest of the world because you were a part of that world. But since you've been born again, God's spirit lives inside of you. You don't need alcohol. You don't need to live carelessly. You got the Holy Spirit. Amen, pastor. We've got the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to live like everyone else. Jesus didn't die for us to stay the same. You've got power living inside of you. Look at your name and say, you got power. Look back at him and say, I know, I've been trying to tell you. We all need to live intentionally. And we need to know that every day counts. Man, I've had some thoughts lately. My kids are only going to be this age one time. I'm going to only be this age one time. Every day they're getting older. I'm getting over. Life, life is changing. Every day counts. Every moment counts. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Listen to what Paul said. He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What is Paul challenging us with today? He he puts two phrases in here. Look at the first one. He says, "To, to live very careful and not as unwise, but as wise. Paul is telling us to be wise. Be smart. We're living in evil days. We're living in dark times. The world today is crazier than it's ever been. Amen? It's darker than it's ever been. Be wise. Be careful. What does that mean? It means you're going to have to slow your roll down a little bit. That means you're going to have to pay attention to your life a little bit. You see, when you're crazy busy and you're overscheduled, you can't pay attention to your life. You can't be careful. There's not enough time to be careful. There's not enough time to be wise. You're so busy, you're not wise. Then he makes his second statement. He says, to make the most of every opportunity. As Christians, we should value every minute of our lives. We're only here for a certain amount of time, and we have a purpose attached to being here. God created you to be on this planet for this time for a reason. Some of you will die in Mamu because God created you to live your life in Mamu, Louisiana because you are his representation to Mamu. Them crazy drunk Cajuns need Jesus and you're the one there. Amen. You've been created for a season. You've been created for this time. You have a purpose attached to your life. Every minute counts. One day eternity is coming. One day stress is going to leave. Come on, somebody. One day mosquitoes are all going to die. Come on. One day humidity will no longer exist. Come on. One day potholes won't even be there. They're going to patch it with gold. One day. If that's not enough to get you excited, dear goodness. If we don't properly manage our time and opportunities, we live stressed. If we don't properly manage that stress, the quality of our life diminishes greatly. America is one nation under stress. We're one nation under stress. Just because we're Americans don't need to, doesn't mean that we need to be like Americans. Right? We don't have to live stressed. Why? Because we've got the wisdom of God available to us. Stress is killing us. Depression, anxiety, eating disorders, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, sleep disorders, especially insomnia, headaches. We're killing ourselves over stress emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally, spiritually. We're dying because we're overstressed. And the, and the clock is still ticking. The days are still going by. You know, it's funny, we say all the time, you know, when, when I was a kid, life went by slow. Seems like the older I get, the faster life goes. That's because you're too busy to pay attention to it because time didn't speed up. 
Like God didn't put some hyped up batteries in the clock to make time go by faster. Life is not going by faster. You're just not paying attention to it like you used to. Because when you're a kid, you got no stress. You're stressing about what video game you're going to play. Whose house you can go sleep at. Come on, somebody. Right? What's for lunch? What's for in between lunch? What's for the snack before supper? Right? We got some candy? Your biggest stress was somebody talked about you. So we often say I'm stressed out, but what does that really mean? You see, stress is the pressure of life and how one perceives, believes, reacts, and copes with these pressures. There's a chemical reaction that goes on in our bodies when we stress. Our bodies release this chemical called adrenaline, and it gets into our blood, and we get amped up, and we get tensed up. You ever got in a car accident or had, had been involved in an accident? You got adrenalized. It was 30, 40, 50, an hour, two hours later before you realized you were hurting because you were so adrenalized. I had a guy one time, we were pouring uh, concrete, and the pump truck fell. This big old massive pump truck fell, and the hose bent, and it hit him on his shoulder. And he, he went down like this, and he popped out from underneath it. And we all freaked out because this big old boom's laying down on top of this building. It was a major accident. And one of my guys was under the hose and got pinned for a second. And I went to him and said, bro, you okay? He's like, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. And you can see he was... He was amped up. He was adrenalized. And he was, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, okay. All right, I'm going to check on you in a couple minutes. Come back in. Bro, you good? Yeah, man, I'm still good. 30 minutes later, you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm still good. And he starts doing this. So you sure you're okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. 50 minutes. Hey, bro, how you doing? And my back's starting to hurt. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, my neck is tight. I said, Okay. I said, what's happening to you? He was from another country. I said, what happens to you is your, your adrenaline is wearing off. And basically what you're doing is you're coming back to reality. And now what really hurts is starting, you're starting to feel it. And come to find out he had messed his neck up, his back up, and all kinds of other things. It was a legitimate hurt. But when he was adrenalized, he didn't even feel the pain. That's the scariness of being stressed out all the time. Is that we stay in this thing of, of just being adrenalized all the time and we don't even realize what's hurting in us or around us. Just making sense. You're going through life thinking, man, I'm killing it, bro. I'm just trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to be a hero. I'm trying to raise my kids. Ah! I want to be a good parent. Ah! If they don't play Little League, they're going to they're gonna be jacked up the rest of their life. I didn't play Little League. I think I'm okay. <laughs> but I want you to know that there's certain levels of stress that are actually good for us. Stress can be good for us. God will use stress at times in our lives to, to allow pressure on us to begin to get us to grow. You see, you can go to the gym, but if you don't put any weight on the bar and lift it with a little bit of stress, you're not gaining any muscles. You can get on the treadmill and never turn it on. You're not losing weight. You need some stress. We all need a certain level of stress, but the problem is, is too many of us live beyond the, the healthy measure of stress, and we're staying in this, this new place called normal now, 
We're living in normal, which is stressed out all the time. And now what we're calling stress is when we get extra stress. It's like the bar's way back here. Here's the line, like healthy life, stress life. We're living in this thinking this is normal. Am I helping somebody? We're thinking this is normal, and when it gets extra unnormal, then we go, oh, I'm stressed out. No, you've been stressed out. Adrenaline can be like a drug. It can feel good for a while. And you can get addicted to it. I've got many friends who are around the 40 to 45-year-old age who have to take testosterone now because they've been so adrenalized their whole life, either trying to start a business or run a business or do all these things, that they stayed in this just like perpetual place of being stressed out all the time. And they've, they've tapped out. What if adrenaline is like a drug? You know what happened? You know why people get addicted to drugs, right? It's because the first time they try it, they get such an enormous high and they have such an incredible experience that they spend the rest of their time trying to regain the first experience. And you never have a first experience again. So the addiction is, is I want that first high that I had, but I can't seem to find it. So I go on to do more things and more things and more things, trying to find the first one, but I never get back to that. What if that's adrenaline for some of us? So what does this mean for us today? I want to help us. I want us to be people that understand how to live well. You can live good, but I want you to live well. I want you to have a well marriage. I want you to have a well relationship with your kids. I want everything in your life to be well. Not just good, not just uh, free of problems, but something healthy, something well. I'm going to give you three things this morning that I hope will help you. Some, Some principles to maximize your time. Number one, understand your margin. Some of you don't have any margin. You're overbooked, you're overspent, you're overcommitted, you're stretched out too far. Every one of us is designed by God with limits, capacities, and boundaries that he wants us to function within. God knows how he wired you. He knows how he created you. He created you with limits, with abilities, with capacities. He knows, he knows when you're over your limits and you're over your capacities. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. What is Paul saying? I've got limitations. I've got a realm or a sphere that I'm, I'm called to operate in, I'm called to participate in, and that's what God designed me for. When I try to take on too much, I get myself in trouble. If you don't know your limits, chances are you're outside of them. Do you know your limits? Do you know what you can handle and what you can't handle? Do you know when you've bit off too much? Paul didn't want to go beyond his God-given assignment and his limitations. 
Because you see, every one of us is human. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a human. (laughs) You have limitations. You're limited. You can tell them they're limited. You're limited. Another word for limit is capacity. In other words, you have a capacity. The, the, the new trucks today are every year, or every time they, they come out with a new model of a truck, they're increasing its capacity to tow more. It's like the big race now. Who can tow the most? Who can hold the most capacity? So every truck, every time they bring out a new body style or do something new, they're increasing the capacity. If you bought an older three-quarter ton truck, it would actually carry less than a newer half-ton truck. So the world is after your capacity. Everybody wants you to carry more. We ourselves want to carry more. Sometimes we carry more than we're supposed to. Amen? So we have capacities. The problem is, is you have a capacity, but you also have a load. (laughs) If you're married, you got a, a relationship, a very important one. If you've got kids, you've got multiple relationships, very important ones. If you come outside of your house for any reason, you have more relationships, right? You have bills to pay. You have a natural load, but you also have a natural capacity. Here's the problem. When your load exceeds your capacity, you're overloaded. We we call it you're marginless. Like you have no room for error. Which means this, that every time you have a breakdown, every time something unexpected happens, you lose it. Can I say that one more time? When, you, when, you're, when you're over capacity, you're marginless, you have no room for error. It's like you're so stretched out that, that nothing can go wrong. Because if it does, we're going to pop. We're going to break. Something's going to snap. Somebody's going to die. Right? Because you have no margin. If, if that's your finances, if you're, if you're debted out to the max of your finances, when the water heater goes out, what you going to do? I don't like a cold bath. Come on, somebody. You have no margin. But the opposite is true is if your capacity is greater than your load, you now have margin. Which goes back to the verse, the verse we shared at the beginning, where you're not taking surprise when life happens. Is is this making sense? It's like like if you will pay attention to your life and realize if you have margin or if you don't, or if you've got space or you've got extra, if you'll pay attention to that, then when the outside surprises come, you're ready for them. You're not taken by surprise. Amen? It doesn't throw you off course as bad. You're ready. What would life look like if you had more margin? You see, in America, if you're homeless, we'll give you a shelter. If you're breathless, we'll connect you to oxygen. But if you're marginless, we'll give you something else to do. Right? Isn't that the way it is? Isn't it funny how everything that wants something from us don't care about us? You want to know how your boss really cares? Or if he really cares? If he asks how you're doing and he's willing to do something to help you with it. 
If all he ever asks is what you're doing, he really don't care about you. So let's look at some comparisons. Because we need to be people with margin. Marginless is crazy. Margin is calm. Marginless is fatigue. Margin is energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Come on, somebody. Marginless is debt. Margin is surplus. Marginless is anxiety. Margin is security. Marginless is the, is the disease of, the, of this millennium, but margin is its cure. Look at me. Every one of us can change something today. Every one of us can begin to change some things that will give us more margin. Anybody want that? Yeah, I don't look like you want it. You want me to give you a real simple tool? It's something you learned when you was a kid. You forgot how to say no. Isn't it amazing you don't have to teach kids how to say no? Clean up your room, baby. No. <laughs> Eat all your vegetables. No. That's fine when you're a kid. We've, we've forgotten how to say no to the good things and it stops us from saying yes to the best things. We've got to learn how to say no again sometimes. Think about this. Every time I say yes to one thing, I'm always saying no to something else. You want to hear what's happening to most of us today? is we're saying yes to some people or some opportunities and we're saying no to our closest family, to our health, to our spiritual life. Come on. Yeah, 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 I'll go do that. It's a good thing, but it may not be a God thing. Right? We're saying yes too quick. Why, why are we not praying over some of these things? Now, now let, let, let me back this up because I know a lot of Christians will use that as an excuse. You ask them, hey, could you, could you help this person? Could you like help the, this lady to the car and you're like physically capable and have the time to do it? Oh, well, I need to pray about it. Okay, time out. There's some things you don't need to pray about. Okay, but there are some things you do need to pray about. Right? You need to ask yourself this question. If I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? Simple question. You know, you can tell people, I'll get back with you. Now, that means you have to get back with them. <laughs> okay? Because in South Louisiana, that could mean I'll call you tomorrow. Or I'm not calling you at all. But I'm not saying no to church. I'm like, well, cool, I'll give up church. I won't serve. I'll say no. Okay, you can do that. But let me encourage you with something. Before you say no to God and ministry and church and all those other things, you better make sure your life is in order and your priorities are straight and you're saying no to some less essential things. Amen? Maybe we need to start saying no to screen time. Quiet. 
28 hours a week is the national average for a human to be behind a screen of some sort. Computer screen, TV screen, phone screen. 28 hours a week. That's a part-time job. And you're not getting paid. Our lives look like this. Oh, they had a parade today. LSU won. They on vacation again? She don't need to wear that bathing suit. (laughs) President Trump said something stupid again. Oh, look, the church is doing something. And before you know it, 30 minutes to an hour of your life just went bye-bye. I'm not making this up. You know it's true. You know it's true. It's true for all of us. What if we learn to say no to that first? I mean, dear goodness, if you could free up 28 hours of your week. It's funny is, is that the iPhone tracks your social media time now. So my wife, I, and she knows I'm going to say this. I said this in the first service while she was in here. <clears throat> this is my disclaimer. We'll, we'll, we'll finally stop in the afternoons and sit down and usually sit behind a screen, watch TV. And we're sitting there and honestly a lot of times I don't even pay attention to what's on the TV. And she'll grab her phone and she'll, she'll scroll. I'll grab mine and I'll scroll. And then she'll hurry up and put hers down and she goes, and I know what's coming. She waits about five to ten minutes and she goes, you going to be on that all day? Like, you're always on your phone. I'm like, seriously? Like, you just put yours down 10 minutes ago. I mean, like, temperatures flare. 10 o'clock at night. Like, you just put yours down. You're a hypocrite. And so I said, all right, see how much, how much social media time you have. So she, okay. So she pulled hers up. Hour and 30 minutes. I'm like, boom. Hour and 40. Now, shut up. I don't say that part. I just, it felt good. I would like to say that part, but I just don't. It's crazy. What we should be doing is spending time talking. Because we've been pulled in two different directions all week, and we should be talking. Because talking leads to other things. I can spell it out for you if you need me to. (laughs) I'm hoping you're tracking with me today. That's better than this. If thumb wrestling was an Olympic event, the U.S. would have it wiped up, I'm telling you. We need to understand our margin. Number two, we need to understand your season. You need to understand the season that you're in because sometimes you're blaming it on life, but it's just a season. Solomon gave us some wisdom when he said this, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. Solomon's telling us that there's an ebb and flow in life. It's called seasons. 
Right now, most farmers are in harvest season. Previous to this season, they were probably working on their equipment, getting things ready, maybe spending a little time with family if they're wise, because harvest season is coming, right? When you know the season you're in, you can then know what season is coming. If you know what season is coming, you can prepare for that season with the season you're in. Amen? Like she might not fuss if before deer season, you would take her out on a bunch of hot dates. She might say, I got you some more bullets. I bought you some camo today. You got to know your season. There's times to till, times to plant, times to water, and then times to reap the harvest. We got to know the seasons we're in. It applies to us personally, relationally, and even business-wise. You can't live in harvest all the time. You got to have an off-season sometimes to fix the equipment. Right? If you're, if, you're, if you're working on the relationships and you're investing in yourself spiritually and you're growing in Christ when it's not crazy, then if you don't have the time or you, you just can't, sometimes you just can't afford that time. If you can't, then it's okay because you've built up for that season. Come on. You're prepared for the season. Sometimes you just need to know what season you're in. Do you know what season you're in right now? And here's the truth. All of us have different seasons. A lot of my business guys, I like to eat lunch with them and, and hang out with them, and I'm always asking about how's business going because I've got a business passion. And so I want to know, you know, like, like how's things going right now for you? Are you in your busy season or is this your slow season? Or this is kind of in between, like how's things going for you? They're seasons. I want to warn you to be careful not to compare your season with somebody else's. Because your season is your season. It's not somebody else's. Sometimes we may be in a harvest season and your, your best friend is in a resting season and they're over there at the beach sitting back with the shade and all that and hanging out and having a great time and you're over here busting your tail and you're like, I want their season. I don't want my season. So you quit your busy season to go be a part of their resting season. You can't compare your seasons because comparison is a trap. Paul said this, he says, don't worry, we, sh we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as, a, as the standard of measurement, how ignorant. Well, just because you're not as stressed out as somebody else doesn't mean that you're healthy. Right? Just because you're not as busy as them, just because you're not fighting today doesn't mean that you're all that in a bag of chips. If you're comparing yourself to other people, your standard is way too low. Amen? We're in trouble the day we start comparing ourselves with other people. Would you agree? We should enjoy every season. 
No matter what it is. If it's a harvest season, you should be enjoying that. If it's a season where you gotta, you got to put your, head to the, your hands to the plow and get after it, I mean, you should be able to enjoy that season. You can enjoy that season if you enjoyed the resting season before that. Come on. You see, the problem is, is when we're young, we start living life with our foot on the gas pedal. We don't even know there's a break. Like, teens up to 30s, it's like you're just all gas. Pedal. Gas pedal. It's not until after you get somewhere in your 30s and you're getting close to 40 that you go, hey, what's this other pedal? Oh, that's a brake pedal. Wow, that means I can slow down a little bit. Because you're physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally starting to deplete. And between 40 and 50, you start to get friendly with the brake pedal. Am I, am I preaching to somebody today? And say, hey, I like this brake pedal. It's good stuff. 50, I'm like, boo, I'm good with this brake. Me and this brake, good friend. 60, you just pull the emergency brake. Woo! And you have no issues saying no. People, come, they just got there looking like, like no. But I didn't even ask. No. Come on, you know that's true. You need to know your season. One of the greatest causes of stress in our lives is the mismanagement of our time. Because we don't know what season we're in. Number three, you need to understand your priorities. You need to understand your margin. You need to understand your season. But then you also need to understand your priorities. Remember, Jesus says to live carefully. Jesus says to to not let the anxieties of life take you over. We need to understand priorities. I believe most of us don't have time problems. We have priority problems. Come on, you know I'm, I'm speaking the truth this morning. You have priority problems. What, what does that mean? That means you're saying yes to things you shouldn't be saying yes to. You're going to do things you shouldn't be doing instead of taking care of your priorities. Come on, we take for granted that because they're priorities and they're close to us that they're always going to be there. And the problem is, is every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something, and that's priority. I'm sacrificing that thing. Right? We're sacrificing it. See if I can say this nice. Unwise is the man. I'm going to pick on men. Unwise is the man whose marriage is in, in, in bad shape. And leaves to go to the deer camp to hang out with the buddies. Unwise is that man. I wanted to say dumb, but I shouldn't say dumb in church. So I'm just not going to use the word dumb. Because your priorities are wrong. Well, I need to go to the camp. I'm going to kill everybody if I don't go to the camp. Well, then you are become, you just became number one in your life. I, I need, I need to go. I'm about to kill everybody. Who became number one? I. What happened to everybody else? Kicked to the curb. Right? When Ephesians says, husbands should lay their lives down, we should die. 
right? Priorities. I shared last week how when number one is where he's supposed to be and and number two, my marriage is good. Number one helps number two. Number two helps number three. Number three helps number four. Four helps number five. But if you get any of them out of order, it all starts to crumble. It's kind of like, what's that game, Jenga? Where you start pulling boards out, right? And then if you're not careful at all, that's what happens when we get life out of priority. When I'm not taking care of myself spiritually, I'm just taking for granted that I've got enough already or I've got enough time to catch it up later, I become spiritually depleted and I have nothing to give to anybody except flesh, right? We need to understand our priorities. There's a whole lot to pay attention to in there. Life is work sometimes, isn't it? You mean I got to keep everything in priority at the same time? I got to provide for them and I got to do this? Yep, yep, yep. But remember, if you're born again, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. In your weakness, he's made strong. With him inside, living inside of you, you can do more than you can do on your own without him. Amen? You can accomplish more. You're smarter. You're stronger. You're faster. You're thinner. (laughs) Who doesn't want to have a a thriving relationship with Jesus? Who doesn't want to have healthy relationships? Who doesn't want to be healthy in every area? Who doesn't want to be prosperous? We all want that, don't we? We don't have a desire problem. We've got a lack of planning problem. We want, come on, look at me. We want a good, healthy life. But we're not willing to do what it takes to enjoy a good, healthy life. Amen? Last verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul said this, and I want you to hear these words. I'm pressing on. What is he pressing on towards? The finish line. What is his purpose? The finish line. Where is he heading? The finish line. I'm pressing on. I'm going straight. I'm running the race I'm called to run. I'm not letting distractions come at me. I'm not letting distractions take me over. I'm not letting these other things. I'm not saying yes to something I shouldn't say yes to. I'm staying the course. We can do that too. Amen? We can all do that. We can all press on to run the race that's laid out before us. Make sense? Paul's encouraging us to move towards a plan, a vision, and a goal. One of our top priorities should be our spiritual life and developing 